hearing. So Wednesday, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Said Tyler and Doug. Doug's in charge tonight. Well, for now. A lot of Raiders to talk to. Great guest, Iowa State football. Jason Fitz, Sam and Ash. It's a Wednesday. Here we go. The first bite. Is the Raiders offensive line going to survive the season? <laughs> that is going to be, is it going to be healthy? Well, then <laughs> Denzel Good tore his ACL. And then he tore his ACL. He did. I will say this. He tore his ACL. He went back in for yes, a bit, which was again. amazing because in the press box, the Raider game, we're like, that guy's back in. It looked like it was kind of serious. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, that guy's back out. He went in for a couple plays. So this doesn't feel very yeah. good. So you have, they've played one game so far. Richie Incognito, your starting left guard, has missed that one game. And Denzel Good, your starting right guard, tore his ACL done. in that game and is done for the season. Now, they're expecting or hoping Richie Incognito is back for week two, but Richie Incognito, since he signed with the Raiders, has played in less than 50% of the games the Raiders have played. He has had problems being on the field, being available since the Raiders signed him. So he's already missed the first week of this season. I think it's fair to assume he's probably going to miss some more time throughout the course of the season. So what that means is you're talking about John Simpson having to play guard. You're talking about the game, the backup for Denzel Good when he went out was Jermaine Elementor, who... Might as well be Jared Jones-Smith. Well, did you hear John Gruden say the name yesterday? No, I didn't. He got it right, which surprised me that, one, he knew who he He was, was. and two, that he got his name right when he (laughs) said, well, I really like Jermaine Elmanor, who came in. It's like, uh, (laughs) you don't really know who that person is. So you're now looking at an offensive line where if Richie Incognito can play, your left side seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Colton Miller, Richie Incognito. But then you go center to right tackle is Andre James, John Simpson, or Elliman, or I don't know who they would prefer if it's just right tackle. They or right guard, they need a backup. And then a rookie in Alex Leatherwood. And that's not really a great right side of the offensive line because pro football focus, if you care about their grades, Alex Leatherwood was the lowest graded tackle in football in week one. And Andre James was the lowest graded center in week one. So Mike Mayock and John Gruden, they they took a chance. They they made a they took a risk this offseason by blowing up the offensive line. Rodney Hudson, right. Gabe, Jackson, Gabe Jackson, both gone. Trent Brown, gone. Gone. Right? They took a risk. They blew it up. They said, let's do this with we we believe in Andre James. Took Alex Leatherwood in the first round. We think Denzel Good can fill in. And that's blowing up in their face in week one. Because not because of those guys necessarily being bad, but because of injuries. Like that's the bigger issue here. So I think it's a fair question how well this unit's going to yeah. hold up over the course of the season. Uh, enjoy your pro football fake focus rankings. We were talking about the show. Actually, Colton Miller actually played really oh, he well. He was the fourth best. Yeah, no, he was. Yes. He was really good. I, I got to be honest. With you, we were saying this early on. I thought early on it was more against Baltimore because you worried about their front. And here comes Pittsburgh with Watt and those guys this week. I thought early on, and you've got here that um, Carr is pressure on less than thirty percent of his dropbacks. I put a lot more on Carr in the first quarter. He was completely off. He looked a little skittish at times, but I didn't sit there and at least in the first quarter and say, boy, these guys can't block anybody. I was more like, boy, he's off tonight. He didn't play in the whole preseason. Maybe that's why every throw he's doing is high. (laughs) Yeah, Carr did not look good in the first quarter of that game. And honestly, I didn't think the offensive line was a massive problem for the Raiders early early in that game. Now, here's, here's the problem. I think pass blocking wise, 
Carr's pressured on less than 30% of his passes against a team that blitzes more than anybody else right. last season. Like, I didn't think pass blocking wise they were, they were fine. a big mess. Right. Like, I thought it was fine. Now, Carr and John Gruden can kind of coach and scheme around that because you can draw up plays that you sure. get the ball out quickly. That's the offense is kind of yeah. designed around that already. So you can kind of avoid, hey, we're not going to have a play where, as long as you know where gonna, Darren Waller is. Right. <laughs> Carr doesn't have to hold the ball for 30, three, four seconds. Then that can be fine. The problem is if you look at the Raiders rushing attack in this game, it was not any good at all. Josh Jacobs, granted, only had the 10 carries, but was under four yards a carry. Kenyon Drake had, what, five carries for, I think, 11 yards in that one. Like, they could not run the ball. The only good rushing play, there are two good running plays. Josh Jacobs, touchdown from 11 yards right, out. Right, a good play. And Marcus Mariota's 31-yard run. Who got uh, hurt. Other than that, there wasn't anything in the running game. So that's a big problem going forward. And then the bigger issue in that game, and again, you look back, and it's amazing they won. They had some massive mistakes from the offensive line. When you look oh. at Andre James snapping the ball before Carr is actually asking Bad for penalties. it. You look at Alex Leatherwood getting called for that yeah, false start the false on the goal line. Brutal. I think Andre James was called for two penalties yeah. in that game. Like They had some like massive mistakes that weren't like, oh, they missed a block or, oh, they got beat by somebody. It was just snap the ball too early or you committed a penalty that you could have easily avoided. Like So those are the two problems with me. Is the run game going to be better against worse defenses? Not that Pittsburgh is worse, but throughout the course of the season. And do they avoid, hey, Andre James snapping it when Carr's not ready and the critical false start and stuff like that? Now, Andre James did massively whiff on a block on fourth and one where Josh Jacobs got blown up in the backfield. I'm going to say that I'll reserve judgment when they're not playing these kind of teams. If you watch the playoffs last year with the Ravens, when their run defense is on, like you can't run against them. I remember Tennessee and other games where, and they didn't, you know, they, I think they made it to the second week, but still you had to throw to beat uh, the Ravens last year might be the same with Pittsburgh this week. Uh, so you're right. I mean, I think I'm going to wait to see if they can't now, if they can't run, they start getting into people who can't stop the run and they still can't, uh, you know, get something going on the ground. Then that's a huge concern. Uh, but I don't think at this point I'm worried that Josh Jacobs is going to be bottled up each week. It could go the first two straight weeks because Pittsburgh is really, really good. That line is really, really good. Starting with Watt, Um, I, you know, I was more worried. I wasn't worried about Leatherwood as much because he's a rookie. And here's the thing about Leatherwood. I didn't know this until, you know, first quarter where they flashed on the screen. He was second in the SEC last year in penalties. So he has an issue. He has an issue with penalties. And and now he's playing against much better people. So he might even have a bigger issue. I really thought I'd get expect better from Andre James. The miscommunication on the snap. Okay, that's on him, though. I mean, you know, cars looking to the right. Boy, he had some bad penalties. Like I said, he whiffed on the fourth and one. Like, I know he hadn't had many starts. You gave us the starts before the game last week in terms of combined starts. He hadn't had many. He needs to be a lot better. Yeah. He really kind of – I don't know if he should have disappointed me that much more than Leatherwood, but I I looked at him, and like you said, he ranked last in centers in the league on pro football focus. That guy better be better. He plays too important of a position. And if you look at, like, the Raiders and their offseason choices, they let Trent Brown go. And Trent Brown hadn't played a whole lot. And even when he, he did didn't play do for much the Raiders, he, was he wasn't necessarily right. good. Like he was good with new England. John Gruden called him the LeBron James of tackles. Yes. So yes. like he certainly had some expectations, but even when he was here, it's not like the Raiders let go of, Oh, that's one of the best right tackles in football. He had not performed like that, but certainly Rodney Hudson, like that. Yeah. But Rodney Hudson at center oh. had performed like yes. that for the last five or six yeah. years. Rodney best Hudson's center. been the best or top three, whatever centers in football. And the Raiders said, we don't need that. We trust in Andre James. Andre James has to be a lot better. He has to be a lot better. Right. Alex Leatherwood, I mean, it's a first-round pick. He's got to be a lot better than he was in week one as right. well. But, like you said, rookie, you can 
like Colton Miller, it took him. He was not good in his first year no, he either. Wasn't. It took him a little while. Granted, I don't think the Raiders are <laughs> counting on Alex Otherwood to be terrible the entire season. It probably won't be a great season if he is. But I think the Andre James one is a big one because they said, hey, we have one of the best centers in football. We don't. We're moving on from him. Right. Colton Miller was so good. They gave him an extension three years early. <laughs> So if Alex Leatherwood somehow becomes this great right tackle, we can expect next year to him be signed like a five-year extension for no reason whatsoever. They have issues, I think, in going over what Gruden said yesterday in meeting with the media. They are suddenly becoming sort of strong at positions and weak overnight with some of these injuries. Uh, I will get updates, but I don't know if you were listening yesterday, specifically Yannick Ngakwe, where he said, well, we're going to find out. And then like later on in the, in the interview, he let out that, well, if it's not too long, he let it, he let it out. That it was a little more serious than that. The hamstring, you know, the strain was a little more serious than people think. So if you look at the Raiders and their defensive ends, Cleveland Furl gets an inactive healthy scratch. Well, Kind of healthy. We'll kinda, see. They yeah. didn't want to, like you said, yeah. did they break rules? Because yeah. if it was his back, he should have been on an injured list. Right. He was not listed as questionable or doubtful no, the wasn't entire at week. All. And then it was, oh, he's out because of his back. So mm. technically he was on the injury report, but he was never listed as questionable. <laughs> and Gruden talked so. about this. Right. You want to raise your hand? Johnny, did you break a rule? Because if it was his back, he probably should have been on yes, the injury you report. to report that. <laughs> okay. But... You have Yannick Ngakwe. If he misses time, you're talking about Max Crosby, who, by the way, was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. He Was he? Yeah, it was awesome in that game. I deleted and, that message yeah. at 5 this morning. <laughs> I actually did. I read the I read the NFC, and then I said, maybe I should get to the AFC. Oh, wait, I just deleted yeah, that. So. Yeah. Named Defensive Player what of the Week. Good so for him. he was good. I don't know if you expect him to be that good the rest of the season. He might, but I don't know if he's going to be that good. But I think you can count on Max Crosby to be a competent defensive mm-hmm. end. Carl Nassib was also pretty good, he was good. in week one. Especially when it counted most. And then Cleveland Furl is your third guy. If Ngakwe's out, we're talking about Solomon Thomas having to move over to defensive end yes. again like he did. Or they sign somebody, bring somebody in. You do have Malcolm Kuntz, who was their third-round pick, who was also a healthy, healthy scratch, scratch in week one. So I think you're okay at the top end. Like If you told me Crosby and Nassib and Furl had to play all the snaps – it's not like, oh, that's the greatest pass rushing trio, but I think you're fine overall, but the depth is a little bit of a concern and that's going to be tested. So I'm curious what happens there defensively with Yannick Ngakwe, but you talk about positions and, and depth. Is Nathan Peterman the backup quarterback yeah, in week two? I think so, because the calf injury, and you saw Mariota goes for the 30-yard plus, and he just grabs the calf as he goes down, and those kind of things, they don't heal overnight. I mean, he missed time in training camp just because of it. He couldn't. He was limping all over training camp, and he runs for 30 yards, and he grabs his calf. I think Nathan Peterman is the backup this week. I Those things, are they, they take a long time. They don't heal overnight. And again, we're saying this, and you know he wouldn't play anyway unless something happened to Carr. Even though Gruden said, "I love Gruden because Gruden's yesterday we had these packages for him." Like, well, we really don't know that because he went out in one play, so we're not really sure you had packages for him. But if they did, then yeah, it's it's kind of worrisome that uh, he went down and Nathan Peterman's the backup all of a sudden. I mean, after Mariota runs for thirty-one yards, I hope John is saying, "Hey, yeah, we need some packages yeah, right like, now for this guy." Given Jacobs got two yards <laughs> and that guy got thirty, maybe he should be one of the running backs. So you might be without Ngakwe. You might be with a very bizarre-looking offensive line, especially if Incognito can't go, and you're looking at Nathan Peterman as your backup quarterback, which. He's fine. Shouldn't matter as long as Derek Carr's healthy. It should be irrelevant who the backup is. 
Do you think it makes a difference when they play Pittsburgh? Like, is that enough yeah. injuries to make you think, oh, they could have won this game in Pittsburgh, but now they're definitely losing? Well, I'm with you that it's not a horrible defensive front, but uh, Mike Tomlin, I guarantee, has watched film already. And if those, if that's opposite Crosby, Crosby's going to get a lot more attention. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, now, that's Furl. He was a healthy scratch. And this guy was a AFC Defense Player of the Week. I think we'll concentrate on this guy. And we'll let the number four overall pick from two years ago, who can't get on the field at this point, take over. So, yeah, I agree. I It's not, like you said, a scary, intimidating defensive front. But I would think if that's the defensive front, Max Crosby is going to have a much tougher time this week getting as free as he did last week. Good news. The Steelers' offensive line. Was not no, very not good. good. We're one. not good at Buffalo. So you're not going up against a very good offensive line in week two again. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights because rookie camp starts today. <laughs> Welcome back to the press box. <laughs> we'll do it live. Doug Marsh running the show for us today. It's been... uh, don't use my last name. Please. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. oh, I'm sorry. I always get in trouble. Well, I mess up the name anyway. So like half the time, they're not really sure who I'm talking about. And then he gets mad about that. But then if we use the last name, he's not happy either. Yeah. Quickly, I had a, a service person over at my house yesterday, and they go, oh, my gosh, when I heard I was coming over to Doug Marsh's house, I was like, wait, you knew? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, a celebrity. Yeah. Well, I'll mess up something here quick. Now, I'll be quiet for a while. Jared is in route. Is that a good thing? It's, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But See when he walks in. I'll give you another update on the Raiders before we get into the Golden Knights. Uh -oh. uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted that Gerald McCoy suffered a season-ending injury yeah. on Monday night as well. He got carted off. That one was, was going to say a little more, uh, I guess, anticipated that that was going to be a serious. I think injury. we've both covered sports long enough to where if they're like this, waving the card yeah. under the field furiously, like "Come on, come on, come on," it's like, well, that's probably not a sprain, not a deal. So the Raiders lost Denzel Good for the season and Gerald McCoy. <sighs> For the season in their first game. And then Yannick Ngakwe, Marcus Mariota for we'll see how long those guys end up being out. But it's been, is this, by the way, okay, we'll get to the Golden Knights here in a second. Yeah. yeah Maybe I'm Golden just Knights. influenced by the Ravens, but have we had more early season ending injuries in football this year than usual? Oh, yeah. Like, I know the Ravens yes. obviously have, but it I don't know. It just, yeah. it just feels like we've had a lot of, like, ACLs and, oh, that guy's done for the season, and it was just preseason or week one of the season. Well, okay, so I'm not going to pretend to know each one or how much people played in the preseason. I don't know how much that has to do with it in terms of, like I said, he didn't play. Right. Gruden didn't play anyone in the preseason. I thought the first quarter showed that, especially on offense. Like, they were just completely lost. I'm not going to sit here like the Ravens lose two guys in practice in two plays, which was a complete like that. That is never going to happen with two ACLs and two plays. But yeah, I wonder how much of the guys actually played in those three preseason in games. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's strange. Like the other one that's on top of my head is Raheem Mostert with the 49ers. Right. He's gone done for the season. He's having surgery. So it's just I don't know. It feels like a lot. And again, the Ravens might account for 75 percent yes. of that. Yes. But it just. It feels like we've had a lot of, oh, that guy's already done for the season, and it was either before game one or after or during game one. Now, on the Golden Knights, so rookie camp starts today for the Golden Knights. The big storyline, I think, to follow for rookie camp specifically is Peyton Krebs. <laughs> I laugh only because in the last two weeks, we've talked about rookie camp, and everyone mentions names, and there's only one name mentioned. I'm like, is this yes. guy skating alone? So, because I don't know who any well, of those other people are. <laughs> I think if you, if you look at the Golden Knights lineup... There's not really no, there's not many, many spots. There's, open. there's nowhere really right. for anybody to make it. Right. Maybe like the seventh defenseman right. could be somebody that impresses at rookie camp <laughs> and into the preseason. But for the most part, it's is Peyton Krebs going to be good enough to make the roster. And here's the thing. He might not be because the Golden Knights, they loaded up on bottom six mm -hmm. depth like that was the main thing they accomplished. So can he beat out 
uh, Nolan Patrick, Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, Brett Houghton, right? Those are sort of the four guys that might be playing bottom six center minutes this year. And some of those guys are probably going to have to move to the wing. Can he beat two of those guys out or three of those guys out to find a spot oh, on the opening day roster? I'd be shocked if he beats three of them out. Right. I'm looking at the two that he could beat out. I'm not going to tell you Brett Howden uh, in terms of how who I how I think he'll do it, but Nolan Patrick, GM GM uh, KM absolutely loves him for obvious reasons. Nick Waugh, Keegan Closer, I I think maybe Howden, but I I'm not so sure he can beat any of them out. I'd be surprised if he could beat out Nick Waugh. I think Nick Waugh's been yeah he's been a tremendous player for what we sort of expected and what they needed out of Nick Waugh since they got him. Nolan Patrick. He might actually be able to beat him out, but I don't know that he's getting the opportunity. I don't to think he's going to get the chance him. to beat out Nolan right. Patrick. Um, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know enough about Brett Howden to. I don't either. Maybe he can beat him out. Maybe Brett Howden is better than Nick Waugh and Nolan Patrick. I do think Peyton Krebs can be better than Keegan Colasar. I don't think that's crazy to think he can be better than Keegan Colasar. I think the problem is going to be. Do they trust Keegan Colasar more in like a fourth line role and be like, yeah, Peyton Krebs is more of an offensive guy. We don't want to put him on the fourth line. We'd rather him play on the top six or, you know, on the third line. And there's not a spot for him. So we're just going to play Colasar instead. I get that. But if you're saying he's more of an offensive guy, Keegan tends to miss. Uh, so can Peyton Krebs like bury the puck? Because if he can bury the puck, uh, he'll be better than Keegan Colasar. Um, yeah, I think I think they want Peyton Krebs to make it. Like you said, again, it can kind of going to come down to opportunities for him, but he's kind of the guy they always bring up when it comes to either the rookie camp or who they think has a chance. And you're right. There's only probably one, two chances for someone to make it because the team's really good. And as we've said in the past, it was the bottom six. They sort of improved and we're still worried about the centers at the, you know, at the top, they're going to have to deal with that elsewhere. So, okay. Right now, rookie camp starts. I say he makes it. You think he makes the opening day roster? I don't know what he's roster? playing, but I think he makes the opening day roster. I don't know if he's at the center of the wing, but I think he makes the opening day roster. I don't think he okay. makes it. Because Doug, break the tie. I think he makes it. And just as a programming note, <laughs> and Ed, this is your homework on Friday night. The rookie games will be on Fox Sports. Oh. Friday from Arizona. That's at 730. And Monday at, I believe, a nice uh, midday. That's back here in the Valley, so you can learn all that, and I will quiz you later. Mr. Is the Grady. homework to know anyone other than him on the, in these yes, games? Yes, one other person. One that other is person. your homework. Because okay, there's no <laughs> chance at this point I could even name one other person besides Peyton Krebs. Yes. So, <laughs> here's, here's why I don't think he'll make it. The top six is set, and then if you look at the bottom six, even with the Alex Tuck injury, you have Nolan Patrick, who's presumably He's your, your three-center. Yeah. You have Nick Waugh, who is probably your four-center. Right. Maybe Brett Howden is your four center or whatever, and you move Nick Watt to the wing. But you're also looking at Evgeny Dadnov. You're looking at Matthias Janmark as guys that are almost locks to be third-line right. wingers or something like that. And, hell, Matthias Janmark could play center, too, if, well, they, if they need him to play third. Supposedly Dadnov's going to add a lot to the power play. Yeah. And, well, come yeah. on now. We'll see. Need a little so help there. Your third line is maybe not set, but Nolan Patrick, Matthias Janmark, Evgeny Dadnov, those are sort of the favorites to be on the third line. And then the fourth line, if you look at Nick Waugh, William Carrier's on this team, and then it's Brett Howden. It's, uh, I'm forgetting the guy that I just named, but basically there's four or five options Kolasar. for the fourth. Yeah, Colasar. There's four or five options for the fourth line. I feel like they're going to say, eh, we'd rather you play in the AHL than play on the fourth line in the NHL. Yeah, close, the though, Tyler. Stay on the 215. <laughs> that's close. Come on now. It's close. But it's just the way they've handled the fourth line in the past, it's not been a, hey, let's get as much offense on the ice as possible. It's been more of a, hey, 
what can William Carrier do? What can Ryan Reeves do to sort of beat up the opponent? So if they continue to treat it that way, I feel like it's Colasar Carrier War or something. Okay, like that. so do you think Pete DeBoer is more of a safe coach than not than in those situations? That I don't. I mean, I, look, McCrimmon's going to have a say. We know McVie is going to have a say. But is Pete going to trust? The more seasoned uh, people then say, well, like you said, let's put him down in, in Anderson. We'll, we'll wait and see. Let's see how he does. Well, I hope that's the big change they have this year. Because I do too. Because they again, yeah. this offseason, they did not address, hey, who is our best center? No. They, Chandler Stevenson is still the projected top center with Mark Stone and Max Patton. That's an issue. And he's not a great not number a top one center. center. No. But they didn't address that, but they did address the depth of the team. And because Ryan Reeves is gone, because they brought in Jan Mark and Dadinov, you can see a path to where they said, okay, instead of our fourth line just being a line that goes out and tries to hit people, let's put together a fourth line that can go score goals. Let's put together a... a Wouldn't big... that bode well for Peyton right. Krebs? And so that that might be the philosophy change that they have that gives Peyton Krebs a shot. A shot because maybe it. he's better offensively than Brett Howden or William Carrier right. or Keegan Colesar. I hope he's better than Keegan Well, Kolesar he's got to be better than Keegan Colesar. <laughs> but like Doug is better than Keegan Colesar because he's <laughs> one for one on shots. Don't use my last name. <laughs> But that is that's the path I think he has. I just don't know that we're going to see them make that philosophical change this season. So we'll see. All right, I'll give you I'll give you a name here. Uh, can you remember this one on Monday? Lucas yeah. Cormier. I can remember that easily. All right, don't forget Lucas no Cormier. No crib notes. No cheating. No, I won't cheat on Lucas Cormier. I don't trust that he'll remember it on Monday. So well, there's no we'll chance I'm, I'm going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> so there's no chance I'm remembering that. What about goaltender Yuri Patera? Should I remember that? No, I'm just saying on Monday. I'm giving you names off oh, the roster. Okay. Once again, he's not here on Monday. He's in. That's right. Sorry, Tuesday. 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 Okay. Can you remember? I don't that even remember Tuesday. the first name you just told me. Was it Cormier? <laughs> yeah, just remember. Yes. It's like it's Cormier. like that bird, right? Cormier and Pateri. Okay. What about Leighton Ahack? Ahack? Yep. Is he a writer? I don't think so. No. Oh, if only. Uh, Where's that hockey drum? <laughs> no, I'll, rem- sure. I'll remember Cormier. Let's can we just stop at Cormier? I'm trying to What's give you more play? names so you forget. What's he yeah. play? What's He's Cormier? A defenseman. He's a defenseman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe need a little help defensively. Right. The depth. There's... They need a little depth uh, help. Maybe Cormier yeah. makes it, and Krebs doesn't. Whoever Cormier <laughs> is, he might be on the team. There is a defenseman that could make it. Uh, like yeah, the seventh absolutely. Defenseman. That's possible. We'll see. But they need Jake, some depth. Jake Bishop's got that spot locked up. Let's be real here. All right. Coming up next. Randy Peterson joins the show to get us ready for Iowa State and UNLV. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now, sports columnist from the Des Moines Register is Randy Peterson. Good morning, Randy. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, So Brock Purdy still the quarterback for Iowa State? (laughs) Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, And I hear you're going to have the weather down into the 70s tomorrow, so that's good. Um, Wow. That's news to (laughs) me. (laughs) That hasn't been like that in a long time. I know. But anyway, um, we can always hope. But anyway, I know, yeah, Brock Purdy will be the starting quarterback. Campbell made that very clear Saturday night after the game when we asked about it. He made it clear again Monday on the Big 12 teleconference. He tripled down on that yesterday during his weekly media session. So, yeah, Brock Purdy's the quarterback. Um, you know, that was it surprised me that he pulled him with 13 minutes to go. It would have it would surprise me beyond belief if he if Brock doesn't start on Saturday. I mean, he's the he's the all time leading 
quarterback in, in Iowa State history. So, yeah, he'll, he's starting, and, and uh, I suspect he'll he'll be at his Brock pretty best. We probably expect that too. Uh, so, <laughs> kind of ho hum against Northern Iowa, and then and and look, we'll say this: I mean, Iowa has a really really good defense, so they're going to probably do that to a lot of people this year. But offensively, this is probably not what people thought they'd see out of Iowa State. Um, Brees Hall hasn't been able to get you know going yet. Like, what's the main issues here through two games, other than Iowa's really good defensively? Um, that's a good question. Cam, excuse me. That's Cam. Campbell's been trying to figure that out, or, or at least we've, we've peppered him with those questions, and he he continues to say it's just the little things, um, a missed block here or there, um, Brees Hall running in a in one hole when he should have been running into an, running in another one. Um, so I, and even Brees Hall has said that, that, um, he's, he's just missing holes by, by, by just hairs. It just, it's just a hair off, but, but Campbell has said, has kind of insinuated that Brees Hall was hurt late in fall camp. So, and whether that has anything to do with it, Campbell's really like most coaches, Campbell's always close to the best on on injuries, but whether that has anything to do with it, I don't know. But in Iowa, but Brees Hall got tackled from behind um, during one play on one play Saturday, and that doesn't happen. That's the first time I've seen that happen. Get, Brees get tackled from behind, so so maybe he is a half a step slow right now. Um, I, I I don't know, but but um, yeah, the offensive line has been a little bit off, and that which that's just as surprising as everything because of of the veteranness, not only with the starters, but that they go nine or 10 deep with players that have, that have started. Uh, I'm curious from the fan base perspective, how deflating was that loss to Iowa last week? You cut out a little bit, but I think you were talking about the fans. Yeah, I, I, I they're fine. Um, there were some ready to jump off the ledge against Iowa, but that's the Iowa game. That's the rivalry <laughs> game. Um, Matt Campbell hasn't beaten hasn't beaten Iowa. So yeah, I, I, I get it. And they're annoyed. They're annoyed by that. Um, and it, it's certainly the big bragging rights game in the state of Iowa. And once again, Iowa state fans walked away with nothing about which, nothing about which to brag. So, so I think, I think they're just as, as curious as everybody else to see what kind of game Brock Purdy will have after, after being benched last Saturday. Are you surprised that Iowa State had the fan base that would uh, like buy UNLV season tickets to make sure they have, would have a ticket to this one game this weekend? I'd be surprised if they didn't, to be, <laughs> honest, to be honest with you. This, these fans got robbed of not being able to go to the best bowl that Iowa State's ever played in, the Fiesta Bowl, the New Year's Six, the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, they couldn't go to that because of the pandemic. So... Yeah, they're they uh, and they couldn't go to the Big Twelve championship game that Iowa State's never played in. So they've got a lot of pent up emotion um, that uh, that they need to get out. And and uh, they for the first two games they were partying just like there was never a pandemic in the parking lots um, in the tailgating areas. So no, it doesn't surprise me that that they bought the season tickets and then they continued to buy tickets and. And it doesn't surprise me either that some Iowa State fans who bought tickets early 
became annoyed when there were $33 tickets that went on sale <laughs> two or three weeks ago or whatever. But, uh, you know, and I kept trying to tell the fans, fans, guys, you know, UNLV is in the same situation as Iowa State and every other school was in last year. Trying to make some money this year, you know, after last year. It wasn't exactly a, a big day at the cash register So uh, for the athletics department uh, anywhere. So, And they understand that. But I'd have been surprised if they wouldn't be showing out strong this weekend. It's not Big 12 uh, TV money out here, Randy. It's not Big 12 TV money. <laughs> Speaking of the Big 12, you know, Matt Campbell has a good job. It's an Iowa State job. He's in the Big 12. But obviously when these bigger jobs or more perceived bigger jobs come open, he seems now to be top three, four names. USC is open. I've seen his name pretty much on every list for USC in terms of candidates. Uh, talk to us about Matt Campbell. Uh, you assume, we assume he would jump at something like that. But who is Matt Campbell and, and how long do you think he stays there? Well, I, I don't assume Matt Campbell would jump at Southern Cal. Okay. I, I, that's, but I get to that in a second. I mean, I'll get back into that in, in a second here. But he's he's a young coach and he's he's a players guy. Um, he came up he came up through the ranks playing for Division three Mount Union College. Um, he's an Ohio boy. Um, he's he's um, um, he, he he's very innovative. Defensively, he's his he hired great co. I mean, he's hired great coaches. John Haycock, I would put up the defensive coordinator. I put up against any coach in any defensive coordinator in the country. But Campbell's a family guy. He's got four or five kids, young kids. Um, he walks him to the bus stop every morning that he can when he's in town. Um, you know that that's Matt Campbell. He's a family guy. Now, will he leave? Yeah, he's on everybody's radar whenever there's a big time coaching job he's on everybody's radar i don't see southern cal and 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 la being a big being a big fit for for matt campbell who like i said is a midwestern guy um but but the way it could shake out is if penn state coach goes to would go to um would go to southern cal which i've seen out there you know his name mentioned also then Penn State is one of the maybe three jobs that I've that I would think that three college jobs that I would think Campbell would look at. I mean, he'd look at Penn State because that's <clears throat> relatively close to to Pittsburgh to, to Ohio. He'd look at Penn State. He'd certainly jump at the chance at, at Ohio State, but that's not going to open. And I think the other would be Notre Dame. He's in that he's in that uh, that uh, that ballpark as far as. As far as um, you know, whenever whenever Notre Dame is looking for a coach, and that's not going to be for a while either. But but Matt Campbell would be one of the guys that um, they would they would look at, I presume. So those are the three that he would leave Iowa State for, I would think, or at least raise red flags with Iowa State fans. Iowa, Iowa State has, has built up the facilities um, immaculately. Now, I mean, they've got they just opened a ninety million dollar sports performance center, which Houses everything from 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 locker rooms to study tables to where student athletes throughout campus eat to you, you name it, it's got it. Um, and and that's that's something that Iowa State needed. So in that respect, Iowa State's kind of a destination point right now. To switch sports on you, how is our old friend T.J. Otzelberger doing? <laughs> there we go. It only took t- it only took oh, nine I- minutes. It took <laughs> nine minutes. Yeah. Oh, you let me down. You let me down. <laughs> TJ's doing just fine. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, 
but about, about Las Vegas people, but but up here in Iowa, when Steve Prohm got fired, everybody that knows anything about Iowa State basketball knew that TJ would be Jamie Pollard's first call. Um, we knew that because of the relationship that the athletic director had with TJ, that what TJ's done here in the past, um, as far mostly from a recruiting standpoint now for Fred Hoiberg, um, TJ. But TJ was one of the first guys in on the in on the transfer pro, transfer portal that that recruited the transfer portal. So, um, yeah. So TJ was was very attractive for Iowa State in that in that respect. Um, TJ made no enemies when he was here. He gets along with everybody. He's a guy that that uh, would walk around before football games, um, walk around the football tailgate parties and and have a beverage or a hot dog with you. Um, so he's, he's just, he's one of the people and that's, and that's kind of what Iowa state needs. Um, he's also a Midwest guy. So it was really no surprise, but, but yeah, TJ's doing, doing just fine. I talked to him, uh, when did I see him Saturday at the game and he had a bunch of recruits in. So, um, he's doing well. Randy, uh, what do you know about Vegas and, uh, you're looking forward to it. Vegas football team? I know. No, no, no. Just no. We know enough no, about Vegas. them. Las Vegas, the city. Yeah, I, I haven't been to Vegas. Somebody asked me that the other. One of my daughters asked me that. She said, "When's the last time I'd been to Vegas?" And I said, "Probably ten years ago." So, um, yeah, I've 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 been to Vegas. I've covered some basketball tournaments down there. Okay. Um, Iowa State and Iowa both. Um, in basketball at the uh, what's that called? The Orleans Hotel, maybe. Yeah, at the yeah. Orleans. Orleans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've, I yeah. So it's. Uh, um, yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, I don't know if I've been there when it's been, when a hundred degrees has been the low temperature of the day, but, uh, you know, that's okay. We deal with it. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, I'm coming down tomorrow. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, hopefully you don't learn too much about the UNLV football team and you can avoid that during your there stay you here. He is uh, Randy <laughs> Peterson, the sports columnist with the Des Moines register. Randy, thank you so much. Thanks for Randy. Us. Safe travels. My pleasure. Call anytime guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Oh. T.J. Osler having a beverage and a hot uh, dog. Of course Come he on, is. he's back home. Of oh, course he is. Of course. Apparently we should have had him on with uh, J.R. Starkus. Yes. No. Come on in on a Thursday. I am almost certain we got the most buttoned-up version of T.J. Osselberger. Oh, I'm I agree. almost certain. Totally agree because with that. when he was at South Dakota State, yeah. they did like a, a video series where he just drove a golf cart around campus and would just stop random students and be like, do you know who I am? And then they'd give him stuff. Like... The, but here, not that he was like that crazy. He was but, fine. Yeah, he was fine, fine. But I just feel like, ah, yeah, he'd walk around the football tailgate and drink with whoever, whatever Iowa State fans. Like, I just feel like we got those buttoned up version of Otzelberger. And then he left. No. How about, the, how about, uh, we knew it too. It's like Jared said, he was, Jared was laughing when he goes, we knew he'd be the first call. And Jared's like, yeah, we did too. <laughs> his name was, his name was out there before they even w- yes. moved on from C. Probably like, when, it will be TJ Osselberger. When Iowa State fell to like two and 12 or something, like, they, they finished like two and 22. When they got like their 13th loss, all you saw on Twitter was Otzelberger, Otzelberger, right. Otzelberger from Iowa State fans. It was like, when are we hiring TJ? And it's like, you know they're not very good well, out there, right? Fifth or sixth in the Mountain <laughs> right? West. Is this who you want? Like, you know, this season's not going very well for UNLV, but okay, you can take him, I guess. Pay the buyout; it'll all be. So, good. are we saying that uh, we should see on uh, on uh, Saturday Kevin Kruger walking around tailgates? We should. That's what he should be doing. Hell, Otzelberger should be here, shouldn't he? <laughs>
gosh. What if he still has stuff to like deal with a house here? You know, right. like wrapping things up, and all of a sudden, we're, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh. And he's you know, fun. Everyone's walking across. Like, Who's that guy with the lampshade on, like jumping up and down? <laughs> hey, kind of looks like TJ. <laughs> that would be awesome. He's just stumbling around, like, hey, guys. It should be. What is it a recruit? I think it's a recruiting period. Whatever. Come to Vegas Seems and recruit always some be. people. Yeah, a lot of dice rolling around Twitter. A lot, a lot of, of dice. dice. A lot All right. of dice. Oh, God. Coming up next, are you ready for Jay-Z to buy the Broncos? There's a national media site that, um, just before you got in here, published a story saying that Rogers' um, uncertain status might have impacted things yesterday. Do you think there's anything to that as, as far as a leader goes? And you, you know what they happened in the offseason. Do you think there's any impact at all on that on, on this year's team? You're, you're talking about the offseason? Yes. No, I think this, this team's focused on now. And unfortunately, sometimes in this league, you, you get humbled. And certainly we got humbled. And like I said, it's, it's about how we respond to that, how we come back to work, how we stay together and get ready to play against a team that I know is going to be really hungry coming in here. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. By the way, LV Sports Network, you could win a trip to Hawaii with our You Pick'em contest. If you go to lvsportsnetwork.com, find the You Pick'em banner, follow the prompts, then every football week you make your pick, see how you stack up against the competition and you could win a trip to Hawaii. You must be 21 years or older, but go to lvsportsnetwork.com. So the Broncos could be for sale soon. Front Office Sports is reporting that the Broncos could hit the market in 2022. So Pat Bolin, uh, who had been the owner for the Broncos, he died in June of 2019. According to this story, and there's been a lot of issues with uh who's in charge of the Broncos now with it's the Bolin family. John Elway. Um, so they could end up selling this and the expected sale price is $4 billion. It'd be the most expensive uh, American pro sports team to be sold. If it did in fact sell for $4 billion next year. And I think one of the big questions is anytime we hear about a team that's for sale and you're talking about 4 billion is what's the amount of people in the world that can buy that team? Or what's the amount of people in the United States that could even buy that team? And according to front office sports, two potential owners, Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos. Well, Bezos can buy them and probably just write the check right now. I'd be interested because Jay-Z would need people to go in with him. I don't think he has $4 billion. I love those lists when they come out. Jay-Z and then like 10 celebrities <laughs> who all want to go in. So Bezos would be kind of boring because he could write the check right now and say, I'll just be the owner because I want to be an NFL owner, whether I am, you know, know what I'm doing or not. That doesn't usually matter if he has the money. But I'd love to see who Jay-Z would bring along. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'd li like when A-Rod was, you know, involved and all these celebrities get involved and sports guys get involved with buying teams. So Bezos, I hope it's not him because eh, it's Jeff Bezos. I mean, listen, I give that guy about a billion of his four billion uh, every year in terms of what he makes <laughs> off me. But um, uh, no, I, I think it'd be cool to see who Jay-Z would bring along with him. Just, just as partners, because he he doesn't have four billion. So he's going to need someone to write, you know, write a lot of checks. Bunch of celebrities I've never heard of. Well, Gladys Knight, is she going to be a part of this again? Had you heard of Jay-Z? Yes, I have oh, heard of Jay-Z. You right. Well, yeah. you're acting surprised. Yeah. We throw some people out there that are completely current and you don't okay, know Okay, name a Jay-Z song. <laughs> oh, can't do that. That's absolutely not. <laughs> name Jay-Z's wife. 
Beyonce. Yay, Yay man, Yay. you were paying attention. Yeah. By the way, wouldn't this be Beyonce buying the team? Well, yeah. doesn't yes. she have yes. that? Yes, yes, it would. <laughs> says, uh, I think that would be cooler if the team owner's Beyonce, not Jay-Z. So his net worth, the story says, is $1.4 billion after the sale of his uh, champagne company. Man, get like that. I need to create a champagne. I mean, you got to no. get off the fake horses and the fake chickens and yeah, get into champagne. Yeah. Wait, he sold a champagne company for one. His brand, billion? Armand. I'm, I'm absolutely. Starkus is gonna laugh at me. Day Brigna. He owned fifty percent and was required and acquired. Uh, it was acquired for six hundred fifty million. So when he owned fifty percent, that increased his net value to one point four billion, which is short of the four bit. billion he would bit. need to buy that team. A little bit. But I assume you don't need no. it all up front. You can do installment no. payments That's on the Denver Broncos. Not, it's, it's also it's <laughs> also once once you're worth a billion, you pretty much can just go to a bank and go, hey, give me this money, and they'll be like, okay. Well, and especially for a pro sports team, it's four billion now, and next year will be eight billion. Yes. It's like, yeah. But I don't think it's one of those things. Uh, you probably didn't have this, but when you bought a car. Especially for people like me, they'd give you a book. You remember this, a book where each month you'd be able to tear up a piece of paper to remind you you needed to pay your car payment. I don't think Jay-Z would get that little book and say, listen, if you only got $1 billion, that's fine. We're giving you this book here, and every month you need to tear off a little piece of paper. We're going to tell you how much you owe us. Oh, man. It's going to be it's gonna be so good that, that, that Jay-Z has to make installment yes, payments. Yes, exactly. It'll be awesome. I love the idea of two teams in the same division being owned by Jeff Bezos and Mark Davis, and Mark Davis, who John Gruden just gave a quote about. Well, you got to be worried about the owner's budget when you're <laughs> signing free agents. <laughs> I okay. so the Denver coach won't be saying that about his owner. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a Jeff Bezos owned team be like, well, we can't spend to the salary cap. I mean, the owners uh, put a limit. The greatest Jeff locker rooms Bezos around is suing NASA. So let's <laughs> let's hold off on uh, comparisons. Yeah. Why hasn't Jeff Bezos bought a baseball team? I mean, he wants to be a sports owner. He's kind of got a little foley in him that, you know, he wants to be. He's got all these assets, and he wants to be a sports owner. So I guess he's just going to the one that he thinks is open. You could just buy all the players in baseball, though. True. There's no That's real true. salary cap. Maybe you should own the Dodgers and fire Roberts. <laughs>